You're listening to Business in Balance with Nature. This podcast is brought to you by Business Law and Felser, an organization in the Kingdom of Denmark that is tasked in promoting awareness and growth in a rural region while maintaining its agrarian legacy. A region that is experiencing a high conjuncture thanks to its strategic location in Europe's largest infrastructure project, the Feynman Belt Tunnel, connecting Denmark and Germany. These are the stories of how BLF brings life to their vision of bringing business in balance with nature. My name is Chris and I'm your host. Listen in. Season one follows a bold and ambitious concept aimed at attracting promising, high potential and scalable companies into the region. And you'll hear their stories and how they strive to create a business that is both financially sustainable and have a positive impact on the environment. We have one of those startups in the studio today. Uh, please say hello to Amankwa Baptiste from Citrians. Hello, everyone. It's good to be here. Yeah. So you have a very interesting product offering. Um, can you tell us a little bit about a little bit about your background and how the whole idea of Citrians came about? Um, of course, um, Citrians. The whole concept of the company and the product came from uh, my ethnic background. I am a descendant of Caribbean immigrants, uh, most specifically the island of Trinidad and Tobago. So shout out to anybody out there who might be listening. Um, In the islands, we have a really close connection to um, the ocean, utilizing the resources. A lot of fish and algae is incorporated in our diets and We typically use uh, sea moss algae, what we call it, uh, every day in our culture, uh, whether it be just for leisure, for immune health support, um, rearing the children. Um, And when I moved to Sweden, it was the one thing I could not find anywhere. (laughs) And to be quite honest, I didn't even consider starting an entrepreneurial journey. It was just like realizing that there was nothing like that that I could find here. And then also just understanding how underutilized uh, ocean resources have been in general. And it wasn't something that seemed like a big thing to me because it was such a common thing in our culture. And um, I decided to come up with a product that not only connects you to the culture, but also allows the world to understand that there are so many resources and beneficial things that we can get out of the ocean that we have such little understanding of. The ocean is our biggest resource, and it's one of the resources that we know the least about. Yeah, that's correct. So what product was it that you were missing from home? It was sea moss, algae. It was just finding the algae so that I can put it in my food and my drinks and have that nutrient balance on a daily basis that I was missing, that I was used to having at home. Um, So when I started looking where to find it, it was really hard to find it. I would have to get it like shipped from UK or US or even like get some while I was in US and bring it over in my luggage. I feel like every time I go back to the U.S., I'm always buying 
my Caribbean grocery items and spices and foods, and I usually have a luggage just full of food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, same. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in what form is a sea moss uh, used in different foods? Is it dried version or? Um, sure. So we usually receive it in a dried. Um, raw algae so you see it just like it came out the sea but dry and then we have a, a pretty lengthy process of how we prepare it so that it can be put into different foods uh, first we clean it of course because you'll still have some of that ocean salt and sand on it and then we have to soak it for maybe like 12 to 24 hours Then it gets to a point where it's soft enough to uh, blend and process into like a, a gel or a liquid that we can just add into anything that we like. And at that point, it doesn't really have a taste or odor or anything. So it kind of blends into whatever you add it to. And it's very nutrient rich. So we like to try to incorporate it into many things as possible. In the islands, we make a drink with it that tastes amazing has a nice spicy, sweet flavor. And uh, when we're feeling like taking it up a notch, we might add a little rum in there. <laughs> <laughs> so when you say in the beginning that after you've you processed or treated it, it doesn't really have a taste. Um, so the way that you use it is it has a tangy, is it because of the natural composition of the sea moss? Or is that with the added flavors? Uh, that you put in after the the, the, the treatment. Yeah, the after the processing, it basically, you can add it to whatever flavor profile you want. Okay. So that it doesn't way. really um, stand out or disturb any type of food that you're eating. Mm. It's just kind of like just adding some extra nutrients to it. Mm. Um, it also, um, based on how you use it, you can use it to make like um, thicken up stews or... Even in baking, um, some of the people who I know who are vegan, they'll use it instead of eggs in their baking. Um, it has right. a lot of really cool uses. I also use it on my skin as well, face masks, Can my self-care Sunday. <laughs> so do you turn it into gel to kind of like apply yeah. on your skin? Yeah. So I what is the gel. Can you tell us a little bit more about the nutrient setup of a sea moss that makes it kind of very agile? In its usage. Yeah, it has a very wide range of nutrients. Um, practically, whew, they say that there's so many nutrients, it almost has every mineral and nutrient that the body actually needs to, to be healthy. Uh, ranging from a, a wide range of B vitamins, which are great for your energy levels and mental health. Um, iron, very rich source of iron, um, also protein, zinc, potassium chlorides, which are really good for respiratory health, the dissolving the mucus in the lungs if you're sick. Um, there's a species of this algae that actually was uh, used in Ireland, and it actually saved a lot of people during the potato famine in the 1800s. When there was no potatoes, they were consuming this. They were using this as a medical treatment as well. And, um, yeah, it was a big part of why a lot of the Irish people survived because of how wide the benefits are. Um, a lot of folate, so uh, we give it to expecting mothers. Um, 
it's really good as like a prenatal, a natural prenatal type of supplement. So, I mean, the, the range is amazing. A lot of fiber, it's good for your digestive health. It's a prebiotic, so it creates a nice biome system in the gut so that if you um, are having issues with like IBS or things like this, this is a really good thing to actually incorporate in your diet as well. It's interesting that you mentioned that, you know, this product is widely used in the Caribbean and also because of the positioning of Trinidad and Tobago, you know, you are surrounded by water. So is Ireland... And you mentioned that it was used during the famine as a supplement or some kind of um, substitute for potato. Why do you think it's not as widespread now in Ireland as it was 100 years ago? I think it's because uh, they don't really have the same need for it. This was kind of a moment of, I guess, uh, survival and they were just trying to find as many things as they could to survive. Before, they used it mostly as a food source during this famine. They would just use it like stuffing for the mattress, uh, things like this. Uh, they would actually, they did use it medicinally, though, uh, for pneumonia, tuberculosis. They knew that they can use that algae for that. But during the famine, it was a really uh, popularized as a food source during this time. But yeah. As uh, generations go by, as uh, technologies advance, as the need for these resources kind of uh, it kind of diminishes when they have access to all these other things. So I'm assuming that's kind of why maybe it's not so popular anymore, but it is still uh, harvested there. Uh, every summer they're able to harvest it uh, on the coast of Ireland. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So in the Caribbean, um, this is as widely used as it was for, I guess, hundreds of years ago. Yes, right? yes. There's always been a big culture around yeah. it, uh, farming it uh, yeah. and using it for many purposes. Yeah, that never changed. Right. And, you know, sometimes in some products, food products specifically, you know, there's a tendency to kind of like, change in nature when you introduce it to another continent or country knowledge base you have about how you use this product in the caribbean what do you think would be the most suitable use of it in a european context or a nordic context now that you know how the culture is as well and its tendency to adapt to adopt new food sources well what i find really interesting is that a lot of uh, nordic countries have a really close relationship with the water. There are many coastal cities, um, a lot of beautiful beaches and areas that everyone goes every summer, but not really paying much attention to the resources in, that they have in the ocean. And uh, I feel like this is a really interesting opportunity for me to share the ideals of the Caribbean and how it can be applied here because there are rich resources here as well. Um, one other thing is that it's a very health-conscious region. Many vegans, many vegetarians, many people who are switching over to plant-based diets but don't necessarily know how to cope with or make sure that they are maintaining the nutrients that they need that they were used to when they were eating more meats and, and plants, which you can't get the same concentration of nutrients uh, simply from eating plants and nuts, but 
unless you're very, very um, careful about how you're implementing different things into your diet. And we see that with these algaes, there are ways to kind of create that bridge and fill in that gap where when you're transitioning into these plant-based diets where you can still fulfill that need and not feel like you have to supplement it with these different pills and things like this that uh, kind of take away the joy of just taking fresh ingredients and getting your nutrients in that more organic way. I completely agree with you with regards to the health movement. I myself have seen this develop rapidly in the last five to 10 years. And there's a huge focus now uh, with regards to plant-based diet. I'm hoping it's not a fad, just like many things. I hope mm-hmm. that this will actually stick. You mentioned earlier about the impact on the planet. Um, the obvious benefits to humans is is easy to understand and easy to to kind of like accept and get on board. What in what ways does this help the planet? That's a really good question. Um, one thing that I mentioned earlier on in the podcast is that the ocean is one of the resources that we know the least about. And a negative result of that is that we just tend to just dump things there and and use it as just like our large aqueous wasteland where a lot of our um, marine biosystems are really suffering. We're seeing the acidity levels rising. We're seeing a lot of coral bleaching and um, there need to be interventions and ways of kind of re-stimulating these uh, biosystems. And the farming and the farming of these uh, algaes actually increases the oxygen levels in the oceans and encourages this uh, bioregeneration in the marine systems. Um, so we try to work with farmers who have been certified and understanding the sustainable means of farming and harvesting these algaes. We do not uh, support or condone those who go and harvest it from the wild and interrupt any of the biodiversity in any of the oceans. And we want to kind of create a standard where people are being more responsible about how they're engaging with acquiring their resources and their nutrients and how that affects the environment as well. So we believe that encouraging the development of this farming industry will not only benefit people's bodies, but it'll help reinvigorate the biosystems in the ocean and kind of create a good business model and example of ways that you can have things that benefit your body, but also the planet at the same time. So is this a regulated industry in the Caribbean, you would say? This, I would say, is, I wouldn't say it's totally regulated. There have been an initiation of regulating this, uh, starting with these certifications, which they have implemented within the last five years. And it's not on every Caribbean island. Uh, So um, they kind of started it as a benchmark, and then these training programs will spread towards the islands. And actually a large vision of what we would like to do in the years to come is kind of provide the resources to expand these training programs and give these farmers the resources and the information they need to make sure that they are doing this business responsibly as the industry grows. Because we see how dangerous it can be otherwise if there aren't any 
regulations ensuring that uh, the biosystems in the ocean are being protected and also invigorated through their farming practices. And uh, I mentioned that because sometimes we have a tendency to kind of exploit the land. Now, I use that as an example. You know, when you have a product that is ultra popular, you can name a couple of things like avocado. Ten, um, twenty mm-hmm. years ago, when I moved to Denmark, you you would have to go far and wide to have that to find that product. Mm-hmm. But now, it's in every supermarket, yeah. every corner store, in any rural, mm-hmm. everyone knows it, and um, people can check out how production of avocados is. It's not really sustainable. No. So we have kind yeah. of the tendency. Quinoa and soy as well. Exactly. Yeah. So the more you have that, you know, the more it's on demand, which is a good thing in some ways. The more you know, the opportunists come. So I think that. You, I believe that you also need to add a little bit of responsibility when it comes to cultivating these things exactly. in a responsible manner. And I just want to ask you, because this is something that has been going on or cultivated and, and, and harvested for many hundreds uh, of years in the Caribbean, do you think that the farmers you know, or, or establish a process of when and how and what in order to not disrupt the biodiversity in the oceans and things like that? So that they know when exactly to do it and how to. The the agriculture and the farming of this moss has been something that has been done for generations. And actually, when we speak with the farmers who've now gone through this certification process and we talk to them, they're like, yeah, like it was interesting. But, you know, a lot of these things were things that we already understood and knew uh, what to look out for and like how um, it works. So these are basic understandings that have been passed down. It's just now actually creating a system on paper that shows that there are these are the steps that need to be taken in order to produce this uh, product or raw material responsibly. And um, we're seeing maybe in other areas, like in the Philippines and things like this, where they're aggressively farming these algaes with no regulations and we're hoping that this example from the Caribbean islands can kind of turn into a more global standard of regulating the industry and how things are processed because we've already seen the effects of how it happens on a land basis. So we don't want to repeat the same mistakes in the ocean as well, even though we're now kind of like exploring this world of how we can find benefits and seeing that it could be a sustainable way, but it really starts with what are the best ways and standards and how should we be sharing this knowledge? And I feel like it's really important now that they've kind of created a more formal way of establishing this in the islands. And we would love to play a big role in making that a more of a worldwide uh, understanding and acceptance of regulating the, um, algae farming industry. And uh, another question for me is, are there other products that you harvest from the ocean that you use in a similar manner as the sea moss? Mm, I mean, I would say that's the most common one. Um, In Trinidad, there are some other microalgaes that they will use just to create like things for the skin if you have a burn on your skin or some things like that. But more commonly, it's just algae, shellfish, mussels, 
you know, just the typical things I feel like you find in any coastal city. It's just we find more creative kind of ways to use them. And uh, I wouldn't say that there's anything unusual outside of uh, this specific algae. What do you hope with this product, with this company, that you can that you can contribute to, you know, the Nordic, Scandinavian, Baltic region, if we just look at it very specifically, where you stand as a company? Yeah, um, I'm really glad you asked that because we called our company Citrians and not CMOS because we find it very valuable to kind of look into the resources and where you are locally and find the benefits and ways to use them. And one thing that we look forward to doing and what we've already started looking into, especially in uh, the Nordics, is what are the species here that you're not using? What are the applicabilities of them? How are um, there some ways that we can uh, create new products and innovative means of uh, utilizing them and creating more commercialized uh, ingredients that the, the people of the Nordics will consume? We believe that it starts with creating less of a stigma, more of a mass appeal to consuming algae in general. It doesn't necessarily mean that if you're eating algae that you're just going to be having some fishy ocean uh, product or anything like this. There are so many ways that you can consume it and benefit from it and it'd be something that doesn't necessarily disrupt your usual uh, flavor profiles or dietary patterns in any way. And uh, we would like to start with our products by kind of minimizing that stigma, normalizing it, and then saying, hey, like there's actually these algae in your ocean and here's, here's some cool stuff you can do with this too. And taking it from there. Well, I wish you a lot of luck in making that happen. I think it's a very exciting product, and we can actually can't wait to see it on the market. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you can follow us at Citrians and check out our website, www.citrians.com, where you can subscribe to our newsletter and follow our journey as we get ready to release our first product. Great. Thank you. Bye. You're listening to Business in Balance with Nature. This podcast is brought to you by Business Law & Felster. My name is Chris and I'm your host. 